Hello, all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we're going to be reviewing an animated film, the new Disney Pixar film, Luca. All right, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? All right. On the Italian Riviera, an unlikely but strong friendship grows between a human being and a sea monster disguised as a human. Okay, so what? we'll start off with our one-sentence summaries for Luca and Sweet Tradition. So what was your one-sentence summary for this film? Uh, my one-sentence summary is the best Vespa marketing material I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, indeed. There's so many close-up shots of the yeah. The I mean, it really, <laughs> yes. really made me want to want to get a Vespa, and I have literally never thought that before in my life. So, <laughs> good job, Luca. You you did great. It looks like it looks like a wonderful machine in this movie, though I know mm-hmm. in reality it's not as wonderful as the movie makes it to be. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a terrifying experience where you don't know if you will be able to balance as you go around the very. <laughs> curved uh roads i suppose yeah i will stick with a car and not a vespa but it was a good marketing experience good i'm glad that worked out for you i'm sure the target market of this film (laughs) is also very excited about the vespa situation yes Yes, indeed how many children this christmas will will want a vespa from mommy and daddy well and what i was wondering was like what's up with like the copyright stuff with the Vespas? Like, are we going to see little like um, toy Vespas being sold by Disney because it's in the movie or, you know, I just wonder how that works. Cause I mean, everything in a Disney movie is sellable. Yep. So in toy form, how, how did that work? So I don't know. Are kids going to be asking for like little Vespa toys now? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. We shall. Well, we are not, we don't typically no. stroll through <laughs> the toy aisle, so we may never know. <laughs> we won't know, but I'm sure someone will. So good for yeah. them. All right. My summary was The Little Mermaid Story in a Cocoa Melon aesthetic. Nice. And I must say, I have never watched Cocoa Melon, but it has been in the top 10 top watched. Uh, pieces of content on Netflix in the United States for probably the past like several weeks, if not months. Every t- I'm always intrigued when I open my Netflix to see like what are people watching and what's catching everyone's attention and whatnot. And Coco Melon is always a solid like between, let's say, rank number five to ten. Always, always a presence there. So I see that little kid's face on my screen uh, because of the content poster quite often. All right. Well, people, I mean, it's hot. It's summer. Kids are home. So right. they just watch Throw the same on. movies over and over and over again. So <laughs> I'm sure that'll stay in the rotation for a while. Yep. And there's something about that, like, three-dimensional animation look and feel, like, mm-hmm. very, like, smooth uh, textures and also very, like, rounded textures that just – it's in Coco Melon and it's also in Luca. It's the trend. 
It is. It's the trendy aesthetic <laughs> for the children's today's. Okay. <laughs> so let's start off with our initial thoughts of Luca. What did you think of this movie? You know, I I had a really good time with this. I thought that it was a ton of fun. And um, it it's a lot of, like, I felt like I was in a kid's movie. And it was a, a kid's adventure through the eyes of, like, a 10-year-old boy. You know, I was thinking about all the Disney movies that I grew up watching. And a lot of them, especially, like, the princess protagonists, like, they were all teenagers. And I was a little kid watching these movies. So it was it was always kind of like a an adult's version of what a kid might want to watch. But with this, I felt like I was in like a 10 year old boy's brain for a little bit. And that was just different. And it was fun to see a protagonist of a kid movie actually being a kid, as opposed to like a teenager or an adult. So I really liked that. I think that there were some good um, character growth moments that I was surprised that they were able to put in there. And so all in all, it's, it's just, it's a good movie. This is one of those that I, I feel, you know, parents can just turn on and watch, let their kids watch over and over and over again. And, you know, there are good life lessons, but it's not too preachy, I didn't feel like. And it's just a good, solid adventure. So good job, Pixar. Yeah, you did it again. Yeah, I felt like I, I got to get out and travel with this movie, you know, right? just like hang out on the Italian Riviera, soak in the sunshine. <laughs> um, I did not enjoy this movie as much as I think you did. Um, I per- And perhaps that's because a lot of the animation, animated movies that we've seen lately and reviewed together on the podcast have, as we've talked about on those episodes, like been for really an adult audience and tackling these like really much larger themes um, while still being a fun experience for children. And I can see how, and I kept thinking about this the whole time, that this movie is it's just, it's for kids. It's for kids to have a good time. And, you know, like the primary object of desire is freedom and it's through the lens of wanting this Vespa as we've talked about. And yeah, I, I just I think it was um, an okay story, um, but it didn't tackle uh, some of these larger themes that I've I've seen be woven into really great movies for children. Like we've talked about recently, Raya and the Last Dragon, um, other animated movies that we've seen, and still be able to weave in more nuance. This film was a pretty straightforward adventure story. Um, and so it was all right, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but I wasn't blown away by it. Yeah, that's, that's an accurate summation. You know, it's, it's definitely not one that I would watch again, but it's one that like, especially like if a parent is like, Hey, should I let my kid watch this? Absolutely. I feel like this mm-hmm. is a good one. And I feel like some of the animated, so like even with soul, you know, yeah. that was very much an adult movie that just happened to be animated. And so that probably isn't appropriate for everybody. But I feel like with Luca, like, yeah, go on. Enjoy, kids. So I think for what it is, it did a good job. Definitely not an adult movie, though. No. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had to keep reminding myself of that while 
watching this movie. Like this is for a different type of audience than Mm -hmm. um, some of the other movies that we've watched or it's just for a more like smaller scoped audience. Like I think Rye and the Last Dragon is a really great time, Um, but there's also a lot of nuance in Raya's journey and her dealing with her anger and her her um guilt and all this stuff and I don't know I I wonder if there was a version of Luca that could have been a little bit more nuanced some of them especially the ending moments and how they wrap up the story Mm -hmm. um of the way these two communities like somehow embrace each other and can live in harmony like it just felt too easy and for kids, like I believe they can handle uh, movies with a little bit more complexity than just, oh, and, you know, this uh, Italian gruff dad is all of a sudden like, yes, let's embrace this um, unknown species of sea monsters that our community has hunted for who knows how long, decades. Um, like that just, I feel like there could have been more effort that they put in to make that feel really satisfying. Um, and I also think that the, there are some moments of humor in this or like lightheartedness, but I've just seen other animation movies do a lot more. And so I guess this is not bad. It's just not great. So it's, it's you know, an average mediocre um, animated movie. Yeah, I think especially the ending was was rough. And it's one of those where I think that they – they tried to do too many things because they had multiple protagonists and they had growth for both Luca and Alberto. And I think if they wouldn't have maybe focused so much on both of the boys, then they could have had more nuance by the end. But because both of their stories were so pivotal to this film, they weren't able to have more of that nuance or the complexity at the end because there was complexity within both of those characters. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just got to pick and choose sometimes. And uh, they went with the overly cheesy route at the end. Yes. Everything <laughs> just was too easy. None of the growth that each yeah. character faces goes through any amount of transformation incited by something difficult. Like even Alberto's arc mm-hmm. of – which I think is so important for kids to know and, and to learn and to see on screen going from – that jealousy and um, wanting to like hold on to your friendship, but not to do that in a way that's suffocating for your friend. And you know, a lot of that comes from his own family history and the abandonment he feels and the way he's finally able to love his friend by letting his friend go and flourish and thrive at school. Like that is such an important storyline, but we don't get to see any part of that journey. And in a lot of ways, I think Alberto's, um, the moments where we learn a lot about Alberto feel like they're not fully explored. They're a little bit tacked on. Like to me, the the protagonist that we follow through a lot of this is Luca. And there's a side storyline with Alberto that's not fully explored enough. So it just felt a little thin. But I think in general, the way things wrapped up felt thin. But again, I, ha- I kept trying to think like, is that because I'm an adult trying to like analyze this movie and figure out the the plot depth in it? Or, you know, our kids just glad to be along for the ride and like they will take something away from us. I don't know. It's hard to get out of my like adult brain, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, I think I was just impressed by some of the things that they touched on, even if they didn't linger there. So like the fact that Alberto in a lot of ways is is like a narcissist in, in some of the things that he did, <laughs> like just the fact that you see a kid in that position, you see a kid, you know, battling mm-hmm. this, this jealousy and, you know, even him being like, so like, I'm basically an expert, you know, like all of these little things that you don't always see in, in kids films, especially in a child character. Um, even like moments that were that were like um, gaslighting too. So there were just these little moments that I was like, man, that could mm. be like a really good conversation starter between like a parent and a kid if they wanted to go deeper on on some of these things that kids might experience but not have language around. So I don't know. Even I I was looking at it from that perspective as instead of like this being the entire lesson, this is just a way to start the conversation about this is what a thing is. This is how you deal with this situation or whatever. That's true. They at least gave him an arc at all. They could have just left him as a, you know, the the sidekick friend uh, that we see in a lot of other other movies, but they did give him an arc. And that moment at the train station with them together when he lets him go was so good. That, was, that tugged on my heartstrings a little bit. I was like, okay, you're doing something effective because I'm feeling some type of way. <laughs> yes. That goodbye was, was pretty epic. <laughs> See, and that was the part where I completely like <gasps> really? stopped being into this movie because, again, the logic kicked in. And mm-hmm. so it was like, okay, you couldn't go a whole week without revealing that you're a sea monster. And now you want to go to another town. and. <gasps> How do you expect this? How is this going to work? You couldn't go a week. How are you going to go an entire term at school without revealing that you're a, a sea monster? I It just mm. doesn't make sense. So that was the point where my logic kicked in. And I was like, ah, come on, Pixar, do better. <laughs> oh, see, I was caught up in the the like... Alberto running down the train station mm. and Luca going, Alberto. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nope. That our brains. It it didn't it didn't get me. It's like this is illogical. You you're not going to be able to keep up this ruse. It, mm. It's not going to work. So what's That's your backup fair. plan? And uh, <laughs> it's just it's, it's too much logic for a to Disney movie to. about sea monsters. About sea monsters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Precisely. But one of the things um, that I think was a really positive message of this film is just the hunger for knowledge that is displayed and the celebration of that you, that we see in both Julia, the way she shares that and encourages that in Luca and the way they together are like fascinated by astronomy and learning and all these ideas that they could dig into. Um, I think that was really effective. And, it, and again, like you mentioned in your summary, um, or in your initial thoughts, that wasn't done in a preachy way where you feel like, oh, okay, like we're supposed to care about school and learning now. Like it felt really authentic because Luca, as a sea monster, just never had access to that. And so he helps reframe like this this gift and this privilege of getting to dig into and satisfy your curiosities. And it was really cool to see the the, the two kids together just like pursue their curiosities. And I think that's a message, honestly, like that's pretty universal. Like even for adults, 
the reminder of being curious is so um, important when we can get bogged down by, you know, our responsibilities and our commitments and whatnot. It was really refreshing to see that on screen. So I loved all those moments where they were getting excited about the telescope and uh, looking at the stars and everything. So that was great. Yes, that was that was so fun. And that was just such a good moment, too, of just showing off the the skills of the animators. I loved, you know, when when he was floating on Saturn and all of that. That was so fun. But I I also love that Julia is kind of rough. Like she is not, you know, your normal Disney chick. But Mm -mm. that was just so fun. And like I was thinking about when I was a kid. I was that rough kid too. Like I was out playing with the boys. I was playing football, like all of this stuff. I wasn't, you know, at, at home concerned about, I don't know, whatever little girls are normally concerned about. So it was just nice to see for, for these, these younger girls to be able to look at another character and not just have princesses (laughs) that are girls, but also have these other types of characters that are, interested in learning and science and, you know, active and all of those things. I thought that that was so fun. That was what I wanted to see when I was a kid. So good job, Pixar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Agreed. And what's also cool about Julia's character and the way that they've uh, designed her is that she is, she is tough and she is strong, but she is never uh, hard to others. And she's, she's Mm -hmm. not, she's still, she has moments where she is afraid or she is vulnerable. Um, you know, when she's getting picked on by the neighborhood bully, like you see the sides of her that aren't, you know, this confident girl all the time who has it all together. And I loved that they were able to weep all of those dimensions in because I said, I sometimes think that we get the female strong, active, like can hang with the boys character, but they're so tough that um, there isn't that softness to them. And, Julia kind of embodies both, which is great. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she is she is a, a secondary character uh, and we learn so much about her is really impressive to me. Like they didn't have to spend that much time on Julia, but I'm really, really glad that they did devote all of that screen time to her so that we could get to know her as well as we did. Yeah, agreed. In a lot of ways too, she is a she's a leader. She ropes mm-hmm. those two boys in there and like <laughs> yep. gives them jobs and tells them what to do and um you know, is delegating the different sections of the race based on their abilities. Like she is she's got that um conviction. Yeah, she was a great character. I loved watching her on screen. And she downed that whole thing of pasta right with the boys too. It's like you go girl. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was great. What other moments um, stuck out to you and Luca? Well, can we talk about Luca's character? Because um, yeah. he's so timid. And I feel like that's kind of unusual for a protagonist. Um I feel like normally in like this, so you mentioned Little Mermaid in your summary, (laughs) and I kept thinking about Little Mermaid. It was my favorite Disney movie as a kid, so it's all still memorized in my brain, 
So in that, though, she is very rebellious and she's curious rebellious, but still she's like, screw you, dad. I want what I want. I'm gone like a typical teenager. But in this, I love that he wasn't looking to be rebellious and to run away from home. But like he was just curious. And then he kind of got caught up with this other kid and just found himself in this city all of a sudden you know I just he was Mm -hmm. kind of an accidental protagonist and I really appreciated that because I don't think that's normal for these types of films and what's interesting too is that like his desire I think changes over the course of the film too right like his his primary desire when we see him at the beginning of the film is the freedom to explore. And later we see that his desire is to like, to really like, like explore and pursue this world that he's discovered and to, um, to, to like continue his education. Like we see his desire become larger and larger as he experiences more and more of the events of the film. And I feel like usually um, animated movies tend to have like a single motivating desire that we see from the beginning of the film that's established and we either see that fulfilled or not fulfilled or whatnot throughout the course of the film. And I feel like we're kind of on this journey with Luca exploring this world and like we also begin to um, want what he wants as the film progresses. Mm-hmm. And isn't that just like life? Like our our desires yeah. and our wants change as we keep going. So, we don't even know what to want half the time. Until we like stumble upon something and we're like, oh, that really resonates. Like, yes, I want to keep going down this path. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just one of my favorite moments was um when um when Luca kind of turns on Alberto. And <gasps> I know. like that was so good it was such a good character moment it's like I was just I was glad that they did that you know because Luca he wanted to belong so badly that he was willing to turn on the person that he was closest to in order to still belong and again I that's something that they don't really dwell on but is a really good conversation starter I feel like Mm -hmm. of because we all want to belong and little kids know what it's like to be long. And um, I don't know. I just, that was kind of an unexpected moment. And I, I appreciated that it was in there. And you see the way that that like affects Alberto too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And knowing Alberto's backstory that we find out, I think, I think we hear about his, his family um before that happens like you feel the weight of how much of a stab in a heart for him that that moment is yeah yeah and it's just I don't know even that that idea that that you know that confidence and arrogance that Alberto had like as an adult watching it you know that that's not that that's covering up something else that's covering up hurt and pain. But maybe as a kid, you wouldn't realize that. And so it was just nice to see that there were depths to these characters, even if they weren't fully explored. Yeah. But that that's one of the things that I, I feel like if, 
I don't know. There's maybe it's maybe it's just they didn't have enough time to explore mm-hmm. all of that fully enough. Um, but I don't feel like we got the fullness of these two character stories, like the the emotional depth of those pieces or the weight of of the how they've been raised and how that translates into how they make decisions and then what weaving that into decisions they make in the plot. Like we skim the surface of it, but I mm-hmm. feel like there's so much more that could have been explored there. Um, and maybe it's the fact that the focus just with three really dynamic characters together, maybe the focus is more on their relationships together and them as like for a lot of the movie, like they are in my mind a unit and they're pursuing this thing, right? Um, but I, I think that there's more potential there. And I think about movies like Raya, I was thinking about Raya a lot because there's also, um, a lot of nuance that's woven into this, this visual story that's very entertaining and there's a lot of comedic moments, but there's a lot of depth in Raya that I felt like was fully mined and unearthed. And I feel like there was more they could have done with Luca. It just didn't go as as far as it could have. And the, and to your point, like a lot of the bones are there. The foundation is there for them to really dig into those pieces. I think maybe I didn't mind that as much as you did because I just wanted something, I don't know, mindless to watch. <laughs> you know, I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I wasn't looking for something deep and nuanced and all of these things like I just I wanted a fun adventure movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. so and that's what we get in Luca there's there's not there's not a lot else there but yeah I didn't I didn't need more Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense and again this is like (laughs) no this is me going back to my mind of like this is a kid's movie Jen like (laughs) Maybe this is sufficient. Like maybe this is more than enough for a kid to process through. So, um, which I jotted down um, a thought, which is which is that I think that the target audience for Luca is younger than something like Raya or something like Moana or especially Soul. Like the 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 age group who uh, this movie can work for I think is overall younger than Raya I mean just visually too it's it's a lot more colorful and rounded and big and and you know like visually it just looks like it belongs for a younger audience but what are your thoughts on that no I I think you're you're right yeah I could see that and especially like Raya you're it dealt with so many complex topics and Luca it's like a they do like a drop of these of these topics but don't actually give you the full you know mm-hmm. weight of whatever it is where Rayo was like nah we're going for it so y'all yeah. better come along for the ride yeah yeah even the like the moments in Luca that are quote unquote heavier or whatnot are mm-hmm. are pretty light. They just yeah. they don't spend too much time on it. A lot of it's the fun romp, riding around the Italian town, and um, going on this adventure with Julia. Like it's it's overall the tone is more lighthearted, and 
Raya just goes, I mean, from like the first 10 minutes, like her father dies, the mm. entire like town yeah. is now screwed and like disaster struck, you know. So, yeah, very different tones of the movie. And I think Raya is a lot more like the traditional Disney movies that we're, we're used to, where it's very mm-hmm. like adult, but communicated in a way that kids can understand. Whereas Luca, I feel, is just a pure kids movie. Like, it's just, it's it's almost like it was made by kids for kids, even though I know it wasn't made by children. But it it definitely has that very childlike aspect to it, which is unusual. And I think maybe that's also part of why I just enjoyed it, is because it was different. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure that I've seen another Disney Pixar movie like that. All the other ones have been in that more traditional, like, adult concepts told to kids fashion. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I, I'm i thinking about some of the other Pixar movies, and typically the protagonist is older than Luca is. I mean, Luca, yeah. he's 10, but he could be even younger than that, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know? I yeah. mean, visually, he looks like a baby. He's got, like, the big round head, big <laughs> eyes, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it, it makes sense. So maybe there's just a gap in my expectations is what I'm gathering. Um, and I mean, what I, my, what I was expecting this movie to be. that's fair. My expectations were on the floor, so I expected <laughs> this to be trash. If I'm being perfectly honest, I was expecting <laughs> to roast this movie. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised, but by what we did have. <laughs> Right. And meanwhile, I'm over here. I'm like, I've seen that we can do more. We can, <laughs> we can dig there. We can go to those places. Why not go there? You know, the kids deserve it. <laughs> well, that's why we have Raya and why? other yep. things. Soul, when they're a little bit older, oh, maybe. <laughs> I don't. I mean, Soul is like on a whole nother level. I know, right? Their demographic is literally every human being on Earth can <laughs> take something Take something from Zol. I mean, the elderly to yeah. the little kid, you know? Yep. Yeah. What did you think about the the whole Italian um, setting of, of a lot of this movie's plots? Did it work for you? Did you appreciate it? Did you feel like it added to the story? I, I loved it. I thought that it was beautiful and it was so fun and – I love that it was set in, I don't know, like the 50s or the 60s, you know, like it wasn't set in modern times. There was just something that it it just felt classic. It felt like a fun summer as opposed to like hellacious summer, which is what we're all experiencing right now. So I don't know. It was just a good, it was a good time. I felt like the Italian Riviera feel worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and perfect for this kind of like coastal yeah. setting and type of story. It fit with the the sea monster theme and all of that. Yeah, <laughs> the whole time watching this movie, I just couldn't stop thinking about "Call Me by Your Name," which is set in the, like the Italian countryside, also during the summer. But oh my gosh, I'm like this movie and "Call Me by Your Name" should never be thought of together. But I just can't get it out of my head. <laughs> I saw somebody's review uh, was titled Calamari by your name. 
And oh my gosh. And I just I, I haven't seen Call Me By Your Name yet, but I was like, I I get the reference and I just thought that that was pretty brilliant. So you're not the only person who made that comparison. I think a lot of people have made that particular uh, <laughs> connection between the two, even though they couldn't be more different. Call Mari by your name. That's that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well done. Well done, sir or madam. That's awesome. <laughs> so what did you think about... Uh, the antagonist in this film? Well, one antagonist is Mr. Bullyman of the neighborhood. Yes. Um, oh, I just think added so much texture and uh, spirit to this movie. I loved getting to see him on screen and just be an asshole for like 10 solid minutes towards these like tiny children. And I'm, I'm assuming he's like a, teenager or potentially a full-grown adult so um the whole thing was just kind of ridiculous but it added a lot of fun and then antagonist number two would be just like the divisiveness of human nature uh, to create (laughs) an us versus them mentality which i think that was resolved in a way that happened too easily and too quickly um but yeah i felt like the antagonist added a lot um the bully is that who you were referencing yeah yeah, mm-hmm. and I totally agree. I I thought that he was a full grown adult too, and that just made the whole thing even more <laughs> hilarious to me. Like that, there's this full grown adult who's going around like terrorizing the children of the neighborhood. Like, if this yep. was a live action situation, my reaction would be very different to this film. But because it was animated and it was so fun, and he was this like weird caricature of a of a human. Um, Mm. it was just, it was great. And I love that Julia was the only one who would stand up to him. And I just, Mm -hmm. I thought that that was hilarious. Well, and I think the fact that we, we see him primarily in the context of this race just Mm -hmm. helps avoid us asking too many questions, you know, like, okay, he's the guy that wins all the time and is kind of obnoxious about it. And that's it. Like, and we don't need to think we I don't need to know anything more about else, else about him. So I appreciate that they didn't give us more. We got all that we needed. Yes. Yep, he served his purpose and that was it. Like it was just the right amount of him too. Yep. Exactly. I mean the whole bit around this entire town hating these sea monsters and stuff. Um I'm I'm almost glad they didn't give us too much information about why because I think it just would have taken away from the story. I mean, like we see this bully also trying to hunt down um, Luca and Alberto in that like final climax scene, and you know I think we just like, go along for the ride. Um, I think if they had taken time for too much backstory, it would have probably taken away. So yeah, it gives gives us enough for what we need for the action and the the thrill to feel exciting. And I did love that moment in the in the climax scene, which is just that whole final race was just so well done. I love how they did all of the little elements of it, but when um Ercole is chasing them down and then it's revealed that they're the sea monsters, 
And they're like, we're not afraid of you. And Urkele says, no, we're afraid of you. And I just thought that that was such a good moment to describe like the us versus them mentality that we see everywhere and how it's so motivated by fear of the other. And I, I agree with you. It was resolved too easily, but I just love that this film gave voice to that fear that is always at the heart of the the demonization of others. Yeah, I think it, this movie handled that really well up until when they try and resolve it, um, which we can talk about. But a lot of the sentiment about the sea monsters are solely through word of mouth. And it's them seeing this unknown um, species or, or a group of people that are they just don't know anything about and they've taken this one small sighting or little piece of evidence or observation that they've had and it just you know gets spread throughout the entire fishing village and that is like their version of truth now and that is exactly how uh, bigotry and racism happens today it's this skewing of small observations that are taken either out of context or without a desire or exploration or digging into the full picture of this community and um, fill, kind of filling in the rest of the details um, just based on that one encounter or that one interaction. And that happens, I think you see in this film a lot. I would say like most of the fishing village probably has never seen a sea monster. They just, <laughs> yeah, you know, hear from their community and word of mouth that like these creatures are to be feared and that becomes their truth and then it's just all fine in like two minutes and it's revealed that Uh, there are some people who are sea monsters who have been living there as humans for potentially decades so yeah But I, I think unless yeah. they they added like significantly more runtime or they'd yeah. have to cut out like a bunch of the adventure stuff, they were never going to be able to actually give that transition the amount of time that it really, really needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's OK. We got the really, really happy, cheesy version. Y- yeah. <laughs> Where the father just like. Oh yeah, I have a whole poster on my wall of how I'm hunting you, but it's okay. <laughs> like, oh, we all we all together now. Like what? <laughs> and oh, by the way, he Alberto is gonna live with them and help yeah. him. I don't know. It's that's the piece where I'm like, that is such an important theme that yeah. could be communicated to kids in a really dynamic way and through the storyline. And I don't know, had they just planned for that a little bit more or woven in certain moments or plot points earlier to make that payoff feel more satisfying for Julia's dad to be the really the leader for the community that like takes the first step forward to reconciliation. Um, I think it could have worked a little bit more effectively. There's just no, like absolutely no setup for that at all. <laughs> no. There's the opposite of setup for it. <laughs> like we see him want to hunt sea monsters the entire yeah. time. He's like chopping fish's head off. Um, so uh, yeah. You know, what can you do? Maybe maybe they're gonna have 
because they keep doing like spinoffs of things. So they'll do like a, a Luca or they'll do like an Alberto limited series mm. and it'll be about them like learning to live. Maybe it'll be like the odd couple, but for kids, you know. It'll be Alberto finally having a family and him experiencing that and being awkward sometimes and like uncomfortable with it but he's on this journey to opening his heart up back again yeah maybe so maybe that's part of you know disney's roadmap is right and then luca's off from you know winter break and they're reunited yeah yeah they could have like a winter special you know (laughs) It aligns with Christmas, released on Christmas. Exactly. That's Hello. Do that. You're welcome, yeah. Disney. We're giving you great ideas. Give us the feel-good <laughs> animated sea monster <laughs> special. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. So while we're asking questions about this film, okay. one of the questions that I had was, why aren't there more stakes for the sea monsters who come on land. Because, like, the only thing is, okay, you just don't get wet. Which is difficult if you're a small child. But clearly there are two elderly elder women who have been doing this for years. So, like, what's preventing all of the sea monsters from just being humans instead of being sea monsters? You know, like, there wasn't really a cost to being on <laughs> land for all the so I was just I was waiting for there to be a cost and a reason why mm-hmm. they had to go back into the sea before they could come back on land again but alas we uh we didn't have a cost yes and this is related to another thought that I had one of the qualms that I had which is that we never see the well I wish there was a reason behind the strictness of Uh, Luca's mother and not Mm, wanting him to go to land. And because we see a lot of leniency from, uh, I believe it's his aunt or his grandmother. Who's the other woman? His grandma. His grandmother. We see his grandmother be kind of like lenient. She's like, oh, whatever. It's fine. You explore. And she's the one, well, she's one of the people that's been going on land many, many times. Um, And I feel like, I got the feeling there's some kind of like traumatic event or something that is causing the mother to just be so fearful and something um, there. I mean, there's mothers are just like that sometimes too. So like I could see that angle, but I think it would have been more compelling for the mother to have some reason why she's experienced the land being so um, detrimental or terrifying or dangerous for sea monsters other than just like the open animosity towards them. Um, so to your point around cost, I think that would have added a better dimension and nuance to the story. In general, on this point around the parents, I think there's already these like intergenerational uh, gaps between you know, like our perceived um, levels of openness to other communities or um, others or you know like exploration in general. That's the case that already exists and. In a way, I feel like this this movie continues to highlight how sometimes parents can be uh, strict and have a lack of openness. And yes, it's out of a desire uh, to protect their beloved children and to keep them safe. But I think kids already have that mentality and to not have a clear reason for 
the parent strictness just continues to, I don't know, perpetuate the idea that like kids feel like their parents are trying to limit their freedom or their desire to explore, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I was waiting for a moment, like when they were, when they were on land for too long and they had to like go back to the sea for like something, you know, I, there was some Disney movie when I was a child that was like that. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I don't remember what it was called, but like the guy, he was actually like a merman, not a mermaid. Cause he was a dude. Uh, and like, he could come onto land for a while, but he could only be on land for a certain amount of time. And then he had to go back into the water to like, I don't know. Cause that was the rules. And so I wanted there to be some rules in this of you can't be on land for 24 hours. Like you have to go back in, you know, before the clock strikes midnight or else you turn into a pumpkin. You know, I needed some sort of rule to Mm -hmm. otherwise, why would you like go back to being a sea monster? Unless you really Mm -hmm. like being a sea monster, then YOLO, go live your life. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like why not live the dual life? That's the other thing, which is why I think there should have been more conflict before the reconciliation happens because yeah, from Lucas' perspective, he's like, mom, dad, you were trying to limit me and not explore this whole community and writing them off. But hey, look, they're not so bad and they've welcomed us with open arms. Like, freaking, why didn't we do this earlier, you know? And it was so easy for the parents, too. Like, yeah, I know. it just, <laughs> I really wanted there to be a cost. That was yeah. one of my my issues with it. There needed to be that, like, conflict that really happens where things come to a head and only when there's one side that really steps forward and it's difficult for them to do it, but they're choosing to and then begins the process where they really embrace each other fully, the two sides. But we don't get that. (sighs) But alas. Again, that's a different type of movie too. Yeah, Like, to your point, like, (laughs) it was fun to just, like – see them preparing for their big race and trying to like train and practice eating pasta, you know, like it was lighthearted and this whole us versus them theme would have definitely been heavier to explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you just need a little fun in the Italian Riviera. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like I want to eat some pesto pasta and ride my bike up this hill and fly down it. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you on the pasta, but I will wait for you at the bottom of the hill. Um, yeah. Nope. <laughs> Sarah, you just have to tell your inner voice, Silencio Bruno. <laughs> Silencio you know? Bruno. No, yes. see, I've just I've fallen <laughs> off of a bike too many times and um That's fair. I will not survive <laughs> going down yeah. a hill on a bicycle. So I will just safely wait with some gelato for you and um oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. That will be my role. Eat some some seafood pasta by the sea. It'll be great. <laughs> I mean, this is like classic advice from a ten year old boy. Just tell right? your inner voice to just be quiet. Just do it. It's fine. You'll be okay. And if you're not, then you know at least you went for it. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, right? Like, I just I there were so many little moments throughout that I was just like, man, that is just such a kid thing to say. And you don't often see that, even in children's movies. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. This was just such a kid movie. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have not watched one of these in so long. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
two adults trying to try to talk about and review a kids movie. This is this is what you get, y'all. <laughs> so another moment that I really liked was with Julia's dad. And I loved that he was this like badass dude. He was tough as nails. He was like this gruff guy. And he was born without an arm. And I just mm-hmm. thought that that was so cool. Like as as we're seeing differently abled people, you know, featured more prominently in films and TV shows and all of the things, like it was just such a cool way to show that differently abled people can still be these like badass dudes. It just, mm-hmm. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. And they even subvert that whole thing to yeah. when I think someone, I might have been Alberto, says, Oh, did you get like, um, did you get your arm eaten off by a creature? Like maybe a sea monster? And I'm like, oh, this is the motivation. Mm-hmm. And they yep. don't. They they kind of subvert that entirely. And and because um, that was my my initial thought too. So that that's why he ate sea monsters so much. This is for revenge. Yeah, I thought they were gonna do because we see that in uh, How to Train Your Dragon as well. Like somebody's mm-hmm. leg is eaten by a dragon, and that's they hate dragons. Blah 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 blah. And I just, I love that that was just how he was born, and yeah. he just he learned how to do all of these incredible things with just one arm. It's awesome. Yeah. He can fish and a whole net of yeah, <laughs> and cook and do Great all child. the things. Yes. I, it's very impressive. Also, I just love visually how he looked. It was great. He's just this giant dude with a huge chin. <laughs> you can't really see his eyes because the eyebrows are just, you know, two bushy caterpillars yeah. in his face. It just, it was so great. And, to see, and I mean, I think it worked really well that um, – he, as much as I think there should have been more conflict, I love it. It was him that was the one that really softened to uh, Luca and Alberto at the end and was like really the leader in, in bringing those two communities together. Because it's just, he's not, that's not the person you think that would do that. It's like this <laughs> big gruff dude yeah. who, you know, he's, he's, a, he's just a big softy. Yeah, he is. He has this hard exterior and this marshmallowy center. And it's just it's so good. He's mm-hmm. he was a really like visually, like you were saying, they designed his character very, very well. Because the first time you meet him, like I too am terrified. I'm right there with you, Luca. <laughs> yeah. That that guy could smash me to smithereens with just, you know, a look. And it was great. His fun character. That'll be fun to make into a toy. Yes. Yes. That That's a great, <laughs> great marketing opportunity. Mm-hmm. I feel like all of these characters, even like the little, the little goat fish that he was hurting. Yes. The, the sassy cat who kept attacking them. Oh, like yeah. all of these could be little stuffed animals. It's mm-hmm. just excellent. Disney, great <laughs> job. You can make lots of money on these toys. Yep. Some little kid is going to go to bed cuddling a giant uh, Italian gruff man. (laughs) A stuffed version. (laughs) Just a plushy, a little plushy. A very Italian dude. (laughs) I mean, why not? We got all kinds of toys, so Mm -hmm. add it to the list. Um, 
I loved some of the cinematography moments in this film. Mm-hmm. The one that sticks out to me that I, I just gasped at was the shot of Julia and Luca climbing to the roof. Um, and there's just the, the lights of the city behind them and the moon. And you just see their silhouettes and they're, they're climbing up there to, to go look at the, the, um, the stars from the telescope. But that shot is beautiful. Like you could just pause that and take a screenshot and everything about it is absolutely gorgeous. The colors, it was like these purple hues. It was just magical. It was so great. Um, and then a lot of the moments where Alberto and Luca are swimming in the water felt so dynamic. And the way the camera moves with them, you really feel like you're in the water with them. And so those were really fun. I felt like I was immersed um, in the water with them. So those were some of two of my favorite moments. Yeah, Disney and Pixar really know what they're doing when they have characters in water. Like <laughs> right? they just they do. Like Little mm-hmm. Mermaid, exquisite, absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Finding Nemo is the same way. And so that's how I felt with Luca as well. Like the when it opened and we're in the water, I was just like, man, y'all know what you're doing when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, water-based stories. Yep. And and just like the physics of yeah how their bodies move is great and then you add the camera like movement with it and you just you feel like you're there with them it's great mm-hmm. loved it yes <laughs> that was great all right any other any other things we wanted to mention with luca i did love uh that we got to see luca learning how to walk you know, I feel like mm. in, in a lot of movies, he would just come out knowing how to walk. But I love that we got to have those few minutes of him trying to figure it out and falling on his face. It was great. We don't often get to see the process. And so it was it's nice the to equivalent, see it. The yeah. equivalent of one of your comments that you made in when we were reviewing John Wick, where you said, <laughs> I'm just so grateful to see them actually like re uh, reset and re... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Add the ammunition back into the into Oh, the reload. Reload. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Reload their guns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that never happens in most action movies. They're just shooting continuously as if there's like an endless pool of bullets in their guns. Gosh. It's yes. it's the little things, man. Like you you gotta see these. You know? <laughs> if you're firing like a nine millimeter gun, you're not gonna have like a thousand bullets in that clip. Like, come on. And you need to find like a spot to stop and, yes. and reload. Yeah. Gosh. These are these are important things that I think about that nobody else thinks about. But <laughs> when when filmmakers have that same mentality, it brings me joy. So <laughs> I was very happy to see Luca struggling to walk. And then he finally got it and he did great. But it was nice That's to fair. see him struggle for a second. Yep. Yep. And Alberta. It made for a funny moment, too. It which, did. You know, two birds, one stone. And you learn about both of the characters. Like, it's just, it was a good, a good few minutes. Mm-hmm. It also sets up the, like, dynamic between Luca yeah. and Alberto of, like, Alberto is more experienced. So, yes, Luca's following his lead because, Frank, he's never been on land before. Like, I'm going to follow you. <laughs> you tell me what to do. Yeah. Yep. Good moment. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other last thoughts before we wrap up? I guess my other thought 
that I had was, are there no sea monster schools? Because, I mean, Luca didn't seem to know a lot. He just spent time with the goatfish, being a goatfish shepherd. Is there not, is there not school? Like, I don't know. There seemed to be a lot of sea monsters. How did not all of the sea monster parents come together and go, you know what? We should have educated sea monster children. I don't know. It just, I just, I had questions because why wouldn't there be a sea monster school if there are sea monsters? I mean, there was a school in Finding Nemo underwater. I'm saying. So clearly it's doable. I even in a, <laughs> a stingray and kids <laughs> to go to school, you know? Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe they didn't have stingrays mm. in that region, so there were no right. teachers, and thus you can only be like a goat fish shepherd if you're a child. I mean, yeah, it's like a fair question <laughs> with like just rural communities in general who, you know, the, all, all hands on deck are needed to run the business to survive. So I guess, yeah. Maybe in the in the sea monster city urban areas there oh, are schools. Gotcha. Okay. But we're we're in the boonies. Oh, okay. It makes sense. Yes. Got it. Right. Okay. So he was just working the family farm and being homeschooled <laughs> instead of actually getting a formal education. Okay. Right. I'm with you now. Right. I got it. So there probably exactly. are sea monster schools. Just yes. not not for Luca. here. Right. Gotcha. Exactly. So then that Yeah, I think there's actually a bit around Uncle Ugo, who used to be a teacher, but, you know, he went a little crazy. I'm just making this up now. <laughs> I'm like, which, that would be a terrifying teacher, so, know, right? no. <laughs> you know, he spent too much time around the sea monster children, and it really did something to his brain. <laughs> which, like, how does that work? Because he, Uncle Ugo is he's an exile they exiled him but That's no terrible. he's like he's like an angler fish though he's not a sea monster so oh, then how is, is he brothers with a sea oh, monster no. we so this is like a jerry springer type situation in this family like no wonder uncle ugo <laughs> shows up and then everybody feels awkward around him and wants him to leave right right but i question this mother's judgment right by, like, right you see what's in front of you and you want to send your little your little precious baby <laughs> with Uncle Ugo. Who just looks like he would probably be involved in some like under underworld <laughs> you know black market business. He's just he's got that vibe. And how crazy is it though, like that like some fish are actually transparent? Like he was. Like that's yeah, just weird. I was, when I was researching Luca after and I read that, I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. It's real gross. No, we get some some real good close-ups of the heart. We do. Inside of his transparent body. And, like, how terrifying is that, though? Like, just punch my heart. Make my heart start again. No. <laughs> this This is not a man who is capable uh... of caring for a child. No, which is why I'm like... Mother, Mother Luca, <laughs> please tell me your decision-making processes. Like, here he is on this wonderful, what seems like very idyllic-looking pastoral setting mm -hmm. under the sea. Indeed. 
And you want to send him to the depths where it's apparently dark all the time? Yep. Because he's got his little light? He has to have the little light so he can see. Yeah. Which Luca doesn't have a light. So is he just always going to have to be real close to Uncle Ugo so that he could see from his nightlight? It just sounds like prison. Terrifying. Let's, this is the equivalent of parents when they ground their kids and like put them in a room and turn the lights out. And you're like, that's traumatizing for kids. <laughs> the dark is scary, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I think she was going to send him for a long period of time, right? I don't it's, remember the exact. It seems like it. Yeah, so she was like, you're, you're not just going there for a day. You're going to go there for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, in that case, like, I would run away, too. Yeah. So, like, I, I get it. I don't know. It just... It was... It, odd choices were happening here. Right. Indeed. Indeed. And then, like... But I loved the whole grandmother dynamic, like, because that's just how grandparents are, too. Yeah. A lot of grandparents. I can't speak on behalf of all of them, but a lot of them are just like, eh, we've seen plenty in our lives just chill everyone you know like cut the kids some slack <laughs> yeah yeah we that was the dynamic with my with my grandma and and my mom my mom's like trying to discipline me and my grandma's like yeah <laughs> let's live a little it's fine <laughs> oh it's so good and i just love the uh, idea that the grandma would just randomly go to go ashore to like right i don't know do whatever play bingo play cards play something and then come back down. Like, it's yeah. just great. I love that. You do you. Which, there's like, so. I was thinking, have you seen the movie Aquamarine? It's like this really cheesy, it's not even a romantic comedy. It's got like Jojo in it. And. Oh, um, no. I don't know who that is. I have not seen this movie. Okay. <laughs> well, it's basically, it's like this like teen, teen movie comedy. Oh. Um. But it's this mermaid who, like, comes ashore and she, too, can't get wet. And so there's just this theme going on around uh, sea monsters and apparently mermaids, too, where they're just curious about curious about the land. I mean, to be fair, wet. we're pretty curious about the ocean. So it's true. it we're makes just, sense. We that just can't figure out how to get down there to explore it all. It's fair. <laughs> but uh, it makes sense that if there was, like, a... I don't know, a human-ish type thing that was in the ocean. They'd probably want to figure out this land thing, too. So Mm -hmm. I get it. We're just, we're curious folks. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Any other last thoughts or shall we wrap up? No, let's wrap up. Let's be done. Okay. Well, this was our review of Luca. You can find it available to stream on Disney+. Plus. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection, and it's something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about Luca. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at Strategic Whimsy Experiment at gmail.com. 
We will be back next week to discuss the new film, No Sudden Move. We hope you have an amazing week and we will see you next week. Thank you.